Welcome to Real Deep Stuff. We've saved your seat at the table for this conversation. We're so glad you're here. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not intended to replace medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any medical concerns or questions, please consult a qualified healthcare professional. Welcome back to Real Deep Stuff. We are so excited to have a very special guest today. I am over the moon about this. I've been looking so forward to this. Um, I would like to introduce Faith Northington to you guys. She is a licensed professional counselor, and she's actually my personal therapist. So we were keeping it in the home front today. So um, I'm just so excited to introduce you to the world and um, have so many questions to ask you about EMDR. But before we get into that, would you just give us a little background on you, on your professional history and who you are? Yeah, thank you, Christy. And um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, this is the more people that know about EMDR, the better. It's a wonderful modality uh, for treatment of all kinds of things. So, um, yeah, a little bit about my background. Um, I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor, as you said. I've been counseling for about 30 years in private practice. Let's see, I have two master's degrees, one in applied psychology and one in clinical psychology. I have been providing EMDR for about 13 years. That's awesome. And I am I am honored to be a recipient of your skills. <laughs> it has been life changing for me. And I, I it's like once you find out something that's just so incredibly helpful, you just want to tell the world about it. So it's like everyone I'm around, I'm a poster child. I'm like, have you heard of EMDR? Let me tell you all about it. And <laughs> whether they want to hear about it or not, I'm going to tell them. And then they're like, oh, wow, that's so cool. I never heard of that. I'm like, well, that's why we're talking about it. And that's why you and I are talking about it today. So um, and this feels very natural. You and I do teletherapy. So this just, this feels very natural. Yeah, we do. We do. It's very rare that I see any client for any period of time that I don't do EMDR with them. So it's used for a wide range of things. It's most commonly known to be the treatment for uh, trauma victims who have suffered from physical, sexual, um, mental, emotional abuse. But as ongoing treatment, there's ongoing research all the time in EMDR. It's, I use it on phobias for people who suffer depression, anxieties, uh, all kinds of everyday issues uh, it can be used on. So, so I guess we'll get into this more deeply. I will tell you, though, a little bit of history about EMDR. It stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. Uh, likely if they were to rename it, they'd just call it reprocessing because it does not have to be done with eye movement. Since the pandemic hit and so much therapy is being done virtually, I've noticed that it, it works just exactly the same um, if you're using the eye movement as it was in person. So that's, that's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that, but it definitely seems to be working just the same. Yeah, I think you and I, we met like once or twice before the big lockdown hit. And we were both like, "Uh, is this going to work doing it remotely? And and it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this EMDR was actually created by a woman who passed away a couple years ago. Her name is Francine Shapiro. She's an experimental psychologist. 
And uh, she was walking in a park one day and I uh, don't know what caused her eyes to be moving back and forth, but all of a sudden uh, her eyes were moving and, and she was thinking about something that was really bothering her at the moment. And she noticed that after that eye movement stopped, that she felt better. So being the experimental psychologist that she was, she set up research on it and it took off like wildfire. So initially, as I said earlier, it was uh, used for trauma victims, but the research, which is still even going on today, is showed it works for all kinds of different issues. The reason why I have a preference for it over other modalities, and there are other modalities that you know, all therapists have their bucket that they draw from, is that it works very quickly. I mean, you can get through a pretty major issue in one session, not necessarily one session, it can go up to, I think, probably the most I've had to spend on one issue is seven sessions. But more commonly, it's one or two sessions to get through uh, an event that's cleared out and it and it generalizes so it's not like every moment in your childhood or every trauma traumatic moment that you had in your childhood or even your adulthood you don't need to uh, reprocess every single one of them (laughs) you'd be in therapy for a very long time (laughs) you'd never be out of work (laughs) no exactly yeah so that's not the case at all yeah I probably win the the highest number of sessions (laughs) you you actually do not. You do not. Oh, okay. I assure you, you do not. <laughs> yeah, there's hope for me. Yes. <laughs> well, it's true because like what I tell people is that depending on the issue or the topic, the benefit that I have found personally is that it can, for me, be like six months of talk therapy in one or two sessions. It is unbelievable how how fast but uh, productive it is. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I came to you with some issues that I just honestly felt like I had talked to death about them, that I was just like, I'm out of words. I want action. And in comes EMDR. And I'm like, whoa, wow, what just happened? And I, I would come out and tell my family, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to tell you what just happened. Because it's just nice to feel progress, you know, when you feel like you're stuck in this loop of the same issue forever. And it's like, you're finally out of that spin cycle. And it's like, Oh, I can breathe again. And, and what you're saying actually is, uh, I would say the majority of my clients would say the exact same thing and have said the exact same thing. So Mm -hmm. it isn't, and it isn't the therapist because the therapy is done the same with every therapist. We all have a format that we follow in doing the process. It is just the EMDR itself is just pretty amazing. It just cleans things out. Yeah, you really blew me away. When we very first met, you said, make a list of 10 to 12 things or issues that you would like to not have to deal with anymore that you'd like to get past. And I was like, what, like a Christmas wish list? And you're like, sort of. Like, yeah, yeah, I found Santa Claus. And you're like, no, it's not me. You, you could, you, you told me you're like, you could take this list that you made and take it to any person who does EMDR, and they could help you with this. And I, I thought, wow, I like, I like things that have been researched and structured and that are repeatable with positive results. I really liked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We typically start with moments from our childhood, which is likely what I tell you. Um, and, and that was something that they discovered maybe 14 years ago, maybe less than that, 
that through the research that if if you start with childhood traumas, most things that we have we have happen in our adulthood are oftentimes things that have been a trigger for something that has happened, or there is a trigger for something that had happened earlier in your life. And so what they learned is rather than starting with what's most present, although we can and still do that if that's what the client requests, but it will work to people's advantage to start with the childhood issues because if once you've cleaned those out, then you get to the things that are more present day It is very easy and very quick to get through them. Um, sometimes you don't even need EMDR on them at all uh, because um, the touchstone, they call it, uh, the, the, the root of it has already been healed. So yes, that's awesome. Can you tell us quickly um, list some main types of therapy that are trending today, how they differ from EMDR? Because I, I know there's a there's a place for all kinds of therapies, depending on the person and the issue and all of that. So like, how what are some some mainstream? And, and how are they different from EMDR? Cognitive behavioral therapy is probably at the top uppermost therapy that is used. And because uh, I don't have training in that, I'm I'm probably not the best person to to go in and explain that one. Um, Gestalt therapy is something that I use prior to EMDR, which is uh, very effective. And it's uh, probably many people have heard of it. It's like chair therapy where you you sit in the chair um, uh, talking about whatever it is issue that you have. And then you move over to the other chair and see it from the other sit in the other person, whoever you have that issue with. And, and you become that person and you respond to the question or whatever the issue is. So it goes back and forth. It's very effective therapy. I also do a lot of inner child work and that's done in a variety of different ways as well. And let's see, there's tapping and frankly, there's quite a long list. I would say EMDR and cognitive behavioral therapy is probably the, the most common used therapy the, this at this point. And EMDR is probably the one that's most highly recommended for trauma. You know, if you see a psychiatrist, you talk to a psychologist, you talk to your MD, they will likely all tell you if you have trauma, EMDR is probably the place to start. Didn't the, or doesn't the uh, Department of Justice, no, Department of Defense use it for um, military personnel who've seen action? Is that accurate. Exactly. Exactly. You're right. People who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, which is common for combat victims and not really any different from that much different really from someone who's suffered sexual abuse or physical abuse, mental, emotional abuse in, in childhood is also frequently suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. So it was initially geared towards that population of people who had those issues. And, and then it took off from there. If it works for that, why wouldn't it work for, you know? Definitely, definitely. OCD and all kinds of different things, so yeah. yeah. So how exactly does EMDR work? Because um, oh, okay. I've heard of tapping, I've heard of moving the fingers back and forth, like what? Really good question. And um, so what 
what I have you do as a therapist is I would have you hold in your mind's eye an image of a particular moment in your life that you want to release an emotional charge. So, so something, say, just choose something that you wanted to release, uh, some kind of trauma in your life. And I'd have you choose the worst of it, that particular moment, and hold that in your mind's eye. And then I would have you uh, keep your head uh, pointing straight ahead, but follow my fingers back and forth. And I do that a few, few times. And they don't today even know the reason why EMDR works. What they do know is that we process things in our dream cycle. So what they think that we're doing is we're recreating the REM cycle, rapid eye movement. And we know that we process things in the dream cycle, um, things that we can't or don't process in the waking state, we do process in the sleep cycle. So what they think that we're doing by, by having someone follow our fingers back and forth is we're recreating that REM cycle, but we're doing it consciously. So uh, I'll add an addendum to this is, uh, this isn't something, it sounds very simple that you could do it on your own. I've even <laughs> explained it to someone on the phone. <laughs> before they came to therapy and I just briefly explained it and they did it on their own. I was like, Oh no, don't do that. Oh, that's like trying to cut your own bangs. Like you just, (laughs) just something you don't do. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. (laughs) And, and because sometimes people do have uh, repressed memories. So they're, um, you know, people who don't remember events from their childhood. uh, It's not uncommon that I will have a client doesn't remember anything before the age of five or doesn't remember anything before before the age of 14 even. And that immediately tells me that they've suffered a severe trauma and abuse in their childhood. And if you're doing EMDR and you're, you're trying to do it on your own, mm-hmm. that could be disastrous to have that come up and then not know how to deal with that. So therapists and train, are trained to know how to address deal with that that type of trauma and and the obvious thing here is I'll tell you is that you have you would need to you need to call your therapist right away if anything happened uh, following a EMDR therapy it could bring up memories from your past that had been repressed it doesn't happen I've been doing this for many years and it, it doesn't happen often it, it rarely happens but it has happened and in the event that that happens, you would need to call me right away because we need to empty out that Pandora's box and clean it, clean it out. And that's not something anyone can do on their own, uh, nor should they even attempt to do that. So, um, yeah. Amen. No, that's, that's why you were there for sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So keep going. So we're now okay. we're getting into it. Yes. Okay. So one of the questions on here is like, how long does it take to do an EMDR session? And typically I say it takes one session to get through one event, but that frequently doesn't end there. So I would probably, I think it's probably more fair to say to get through one event is two sessions and it could take as many, as I said earlier, maybe seven sessions to get through one event. Every single person is completely different. We all process things differently. Our minds work in different ways. And so uh, it's impossible for me to predict how long it's going to take to get through uh, your traumas. You just have to wait and see. After your first session, you'll get a, an idea of, one, how it works, 
but also uh, how quickly it seems to be moving for you. And it also has to do with what the particular issue is that we started with. So when I ask people to make the list, like I did for you, I, I asked them to kind of rate it. How severe is this on a scale of one to 10? Um, how disturbing is it when you think about it now? So I, I, my first session with someone, I typically don't do a nine or a 10. Start with something a little bit lower so that we're more inclined to get through it and even in one session or at two sessions. And and then when you're ready to move on to the tens, we, we do that. I um, kind of picture like a pool in my mind, like you're, you're maybe mentioning a zero entry pool coming in, you know, toes mm-hmm. slightly in the water versus just plunging into the deep end right away. Right. Um, yeah, it, not a good idea to jump into a pool before you know how to swim. So yeah, for sure. Now, one, <laughs> so one thing I found interesting is, is once upon a time in one of our many sessions, um, I wanted to tackle something and I was having a hard time really remembering, uh, like consciously re- remembering and even doing the MDR was, it, there was just kind of like a, a block and you were explaining to me that sometimes like our, our, our unconscious minds know we're not ready for it. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yes. So uh, I think the percentage is like 80% of what's going on in our mind is more in the subconscious. So not on the surface, what we're thinking about, which, you know, we have our thought processes going on constantly uh, throughout the day. I call it stinking thinking all the time, (laughs) but 80% of that thinking is going on more in the subconscious. And so when we are doing the EMDR work and we're delving into something that uh, you, you kind of get lost in, don't, don't really know uh, what really happened, it is the psyche's way of protecting you by keeping it back there um, in the Pandora's box. When it's ready to open up that Pandora's box, and it's possible it never may be ready to open that Pandora's box, it, it will just naturally open. So you kind of have to trust your own psyche, not me, the therapist, as much as your own psyche as to what it can handle. And your, and your psyche does know what it can handle. So if it represses it and keeps it out of um, you know, arm's length, out of uh, conscious recall, then you want to trust that. And when it's ready to come forward, whether it's in the session or uh, maybe in a dream or maybe um, when you're doing the dishes that evening or whatever, um, I had one client who came back about two years later and uh, she said, I never remember being sexually abused, but all of a sudden I just had some memories of it. So, so it, it surfaced quite some time later, and then we started um, addressing that. That is amazing. That is, to me, it just blows my mind the way we were made that we have these protective barriers, so we don't just completely go beyond the point of no return before you know when we can't handle it. It's like that's just that's a beautiful gift I think God gave us when He made us. Um, and the the very opposite end of that pendulum is so if we're working first of all with something like we can't really remember and then um can emdr also treat the trauma symptoms that have a clear trigger event that could maybe like let me let me phrase it this way let's say somebody gets their purse stolen 
Um, and they're like, I'm traumatized by this incident. But then it turns out it's more than that. Like if you ha- can it like waterfall or cascade into something way different or more. And uh, quite honestly, that happens frequently, I'd say. It's not uncommon at all that one thread gets pulled and then it opens up yet a new thread and another thread and another thread. So I have had people, whereas, um, you know, I'm describing uh, it's taken me three or four sessions to get through one event. Well, it started at one point, but it led into many different other events that were somehow tied together Sometimes I can see what that thread is. It's pretty common to see it. Sometimes the client can see it. Sometimes it's not really clear why that's where the thread of consciousness went. But the therapist is always following the client and where their thread of consciousness goes during the session. Correct me if this sounds accurate, if it doesn't Mm -hmm. sound accurate. So like we're body, mind, and spirit. So taking Mm -hmm. a look at things that we're looking at a mental health aspect today. If we look at a physical aspect, let's say like I've had my shoulder operated on, I had a rotator thing. And so I went to the doctor and told him that my bicep was just killing me. I mean, my, Oh, it would just burn and ache and burn. I'm like, what did I do to my bicep? And it turns out he traced it back to my shoulder joint. And when he pushed there, I about, you know, went through the roof. And so he talked about like the radiation pain and then I was like you know my right arm because I'm left-handed I'm like my right arm is just sore I don't know why and he's like well you are instinctively favoring your left arm because of the shoulder issue so now you're using your right arm that for things that it's not normally used for so is it the same like is when a physical body one piece is hurting it's got the radiating pain and then we overcompensate like if our right foot hurts we're gonna lean more on our left foot and then our then our left hip is sore because we're doing that is it the same in the mental health world like you're talking about you pull one thread and then it then it can unravel into several yeah I think that um, oftentimes there is a connection like uh, so so you're 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 starting with a trauma of something physical that happened to you take it even a little bit further say you'd been traumatized and it had affected you emotionally so you'd been in the hospital for example and and had a severe injury and um and that um that fear of going into a hospital has stayed with you and has bled into other areas of your life of being afraid to go in to see the doctor or what have you and and so that oftentimes will just naturally kind of unravel. If there's a thread that of, of fear, for example, of something that happened to you initially, and then your psyche goes to, oh, well, this is something else that just happened, and then something else that happened. And, and somehow they're, they are threaded together. That is yeah. so good. So then the person doesn't go to the hospital for what they need to because they're, you know, inside they're freaking out about their fear of whatever happened with her. That's really, really good because that's, I think, I think everybody can relate to that. Yeah. Frankly, even something that you had mentioned, I was talking with a, a friend that is a massage therapist and she said, uh, sometimes when she's working on people, some an emotional reaction, someone will start crying. So the mind and the body and the spirit, as you say, really do work in tandem 
Yes. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. So that's when I've done yoga at the end, there's this moment of savasana where you're supposed to just lay down totally flat on the ground and just completely relax in a dark space. And maybe there's some soothing music on or something like that. And every time I did that, I would start involuntarily crying. And I'm like, this is ridiculous because I'm in a room full of people. And I asked two different yoga instructors. I was like, what is happening to me? I, at the moment, I'm not upset. I'm not even thinking about anything. And that's when she was saying, you know, we stored that emotional pain at a cellular level and it, and it comes out when, when we allow our bodies to relax like that. And she's like, we'll have like level 10 yoga people over in the corner, just bawling their eyes out. Same reason. Yes. It's just a physical reaction. Yes. It's fascinating. And it really is true. It is. I've had the same experience as well. It's just, things are stored in our body and, um, and it's so when that kind of thing happens, there's a cleaning going on, there's a healing going on. And so, you know, we need to go with the tears and I'll release all of that stuff so that it doesn't stay bottled up inside. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Why does trauma respond to EMDR? I think uh, as I when I pointed out initially, the closest thing that they have come up with in, in the research is that we're simulating the, the REM cycle. We know we process things. Why we process things in the dream cycle, I don't know. So why the eyes actually having, you know, moving back and forth have it. I, I will say this. It doesn't have to be eye movement. Um, in my office, many of my clients preferred the tactile. So I would have these uh, sensors that were they were held in, holding in their hand and it would um, vibrate in one hand and then it would vibrate in the other and it would uh, send a signal to the brain. So it, it would be signaling bilaterally one side of the brain, then the other side of the brain, one side of the brain, then the other side of the brain. So that's what's going on. It's, it's, um, it, it's not necessarily uh, really anything to do with the fingers, necessarily anything to do with the eyes. It's really something that's happening within the brain that's triggering a bilateral response. Why that works that I couldn't tell you. I'm not a neurologist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really, <laughs> it's funny that you uh, have explained that so well about it being related to the REM cycle of sleep, because like my entire life, I have these way vivid dreams and I have always processed things through my dreams. But in the last um, two years of doing this with you, um, I have fewer dreams. And I guess maybe I am like working them out more this way and don't need to, which I do appreciate not having a night's sleep be completely destroyed by something disturbing. And then I don't have anyone there to talk it through with me that's a licensed professional. So I, I'll take this one any day over that. Yeah. And it is uh, funny, it's not that uncommon that I have a client who will even just come in with and ask me if we can process a dream they just a nightmare that they just had and um and we'll do that uh, because likely there is something there that still hasn't been cleaned out through that sleep cycle so it's kind of taking it the next step mm. oh i yeah. like that i like that a lot yeah how great to yeah. when you have um when you have someone a therapist you trust to like be able to to continue that dream, but it's in a safe space and because nightmares are not fun. <laughs> so to be able to well, like, do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I want to piggyback on something you just said about a therapist that you trust because uh, I want to just tell people having a therapist that you trust is very, very important. I would suggest that anyone who's starting with a new therapist or a therapist, if at the end of the session, you're not feeling really comfortable, like you're not feeling like you're talking to your very best friend, Mm. then go back to that therapist because there's plenty of good therapists. And it's not necessarily that that person might not be a good therapist at all. It's just, we're all different and we all have different personalities and we tend to resonate to one person over another. And so really trust that. And the reason I say that is is that I've had many clients that have hung in there with people because I don't know if they don't want to hurt their feelings (laughs) or, uh, or if they feel that it's their issue, not the therapist's issue. So they should just hang in there with that person. But by the end of the session, if you're not feeling like, oh, I like this person and I want to spend time with this person, then by all means, go, you know, next. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny you say that because I was struggling with finding the words to properly introduce you because I was like, Oh, she's my therapist, but she feels like my very best friend. <laughs> so yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for chemistry. And, and I, I completely agree with you that um, there's different strokes for different folks and what works for one doesn't work for another. And it's okay. There's, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Well, speaking of working, so how effective is EMDR? Is this supposed to be like a long-term or short-term fix? It depends on really the issues. Um, and everybody's different. And also because everybody processes differently, it is really impossible for myself or any therapist to say. Um, frequently people say, well, how long am I going to need to come back? And that that's not a question that can be answered. But after you've done a, you know, a handful of sessions of EMDR, you'll probably get a better idea. Um, because if it's if you're still on the same one uh, in your five sessions in, that'll probably be, you'll probably be in therapy for a while. You know, if you have uh, mental health, you know, insurance, that's a huge benefit for people to make use of that because there's a lot of therapists that are in health plans. Yep. Yeah. And two things that you have um, that you regularly say to me, as I'm sure you do to all of your clients is you'll say, you already mentioned it once is to say, well, uh, how upsetting is this issue to you on a scale of one to 10? And I know sometimes I've been like 10, don't even have to think about it. It's 10. (laughs) And and then after one or five, whatever sessions, you'll say, you know, how upsetting is it to you now? And I mean, it's amazing. It can drop to like a one or a two. I think one time I said I was a two, you're like, I'll take a two. (laughs) It's just, um, it's neat to just feel like, just the accomplishment of progress, because if it's something that is so uh, disturbing that someone's had to go out and seek help for it, like we, we want, we want an answer. We want a resolution. We want closure to this. And um, the other thing I find fascinating, if you don't mind talking about it for a second, is you'll, you'll ask me, where do I feel it in my body? Can you just talk a little bit about that? Because that to me, again, is that body, mind, spirit connection that is just absolutely fascinating to me because I know I've told you all I feel it in my throat or I feel it in my chest. Can you just explain that a little bit? Well, it is very similar to what we were, you and I were just discussing a minute ago, like being in the yoga class and, and all of a sudden becoming very emotional is we really do hold things in our body 
frequently. And so um, uh, oftentimes when there is an emotion, there's a correlation between that emotion and some particular part of your body has, has a, a sensation or just your thoughts seem to resonate with that particular part in your body at that particular moment. And so, so uh, in the EMDR process, it can help to facilitate it going to yet another level. We're, we're always looking for it to um, be cleaned out some more and more and more. As you said, we're trying to get it down to zero. <laughs> and, and so the getting through to anything that's locked in in, that, uh, in the physical body. Uh, so, so yes, frequently I'll point that out and, and um, you know, like See if there's me, anything there in the body, yeah. Yeah, like for me, I have a re reoccurring theme of um, mm -hmm. time, people or circumstances or relationships where I feel um, undervalued or insignificant or not heard. It's like I'm feeling it in my throat. And that's so mm. common. Like I have no voice in what's yep. happening or over that person. Um, or yep. if it's just this really deep, heavy situation I'm feeling it in my chest, like literally like a gorilla sitting on my chest. And it just, it, it's so great when those feelings go away, <laughs> when the EMDR has been, we've, we've finished a cycle and, and it's been successful and yeah. I, I can physically feel it, not just mentally and emotionally. Exactly. So uh, the question I would be asking you in that particular moment is you're associating this emotion with your, the feeling in your throat. What is the emotion that's that you can associate with that feeling that's in your throat. What is that? And sometimes it's you know, sadness or it's anger because you weren't able to express it or maybe whatever, really whatever thought comes to your mind when I pose the question is the one you want to trust, but, and then, and doing, and then doing the eye movement is the idea is to release it. So the entire idea of doing the EMDR is to release the emotional charge that we have on things related to trauma or related to um, generalized anxiety or depression or whatever it is that uh, you're coming to therapy for. It can be a relationship issue um, that you're broken up about or that you're dealing with a lot of anger about. So it, it, it is a host of issues that can be dealt with in the EMDR process. You know, when I first started doing it, and so it was new to me as a participant, and so I really didn't quite know what I was talking about. But I would, mm -hmm. I would try to explain it to my closest circle. I'd say it's, it's just, it's disarming. It disarms the things that used to hurt me. But I, I really um, have changed, and I really, I've grown since I've done this so long um, with what you say about the release. So disarming would mean still laying that like. Um, metaphorical gun on the table. It's just doesn't have any bullets in it, but the gun's still laying there. And right. so I wouldn't say it disarms. I say it just takes the entire gun away. Like it's just gone. Like the whole, the, whatever was, was hurting is, is yeah. not, but, but we should say that we don't forget what happened. It just doesn't hurt anymore. Is that fair? Yes. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't take away memory. Um, I have had over the years, I've been doing this for a lot of years, I have had clients say that that particular trauma, they don't draw up that disturbing image anymore, but that doesn't always happen, um, that, but it has happened. But that typically isn't the case. So it's not about removing memories from you. 
it is about removing the, uh, the emotion behind the memory is what it's releasing. I think that's a very important distinction to make sure people know, because otherwise they could say like, well, is it more like hypnosis or something? Or are you just going to like yeah. wipe, wipe me clean on it before four in my mind, you know? And it's like, no, it's like, I, it doesn't, unless like you said, for some people, it just completely does it. But, but I mean, from personal, my personal experience is like, I, I have full memory of everything, but it no longer is debilitating to me. Um, it's, if you don't mind, I, cause I, I feel like we have, you have done such a good job explaining it. If you don't mind, I'd love to give a real life example. If someone is listening and like, okay, I, I, I understand this now, but what does that look like in real time? So, um, <laughs> here's an example of what you and I worked on one of them and I'm an open book. I I write, I'm a published writer. I'm an open book. I don't care. So um, I mentioned to you one time that I was just so angry at my husband (laughs) because he has a really annoying habit of uh, like, if he drops me off in front of the grocery store and I'm going to run in for one thing, he just starts, he drives off and he like, takes this little field trip around the parking lot. And I just don't understand why he does it. But when I come out of the grocery store or wherever, he's not there. And it, it was inducing so much instant, just fear and panic, just panic and anxiety. And and in the rational mind, it's ridiculous. It's not like he's going to just drive home without me. I mean, we're, we're together. I just ran in for milk. Right. So The rational mind would say, I don't get what's going on at all. But um, this one time, what really raised it to a head was uh, I had had it. He did it to me one too many times. And in his defense, he's going to go find a place to park. But I don't know that. I don't know where the car is. And and there there was this instant just like just fire hose of panic that I can't even find the car in the parking lot because I don't know where it is. I don't know where he is. And it happened one too many times and I would get in the car. Finally, I'd, I'd call him and I would say, you know, where are you? <laughs> I can't find you. And he's like, I'm right here. Third lane over two back. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to know that? And it would be an argument every single time. And then finally I just had had it. And I said, I just, I saw the car and I just started walking home with my groceries and he pulls up beside me and he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going home. And he's like, well, aren't you going to get in the car? And I said, no, I'm walking. I'm done. I'm tired of not ever knowing where you are. I'm walking home. And, and I did, I walked home (laughs) and I don't think we talked like the rest of the day. So working with you on this issue, we were really, uh, because I have to say it was a big thorn in the side of our marriage. Like it was an argument instant every single time. And I would get so mad at him. He did not understand why I was so mad at him (laughs) and working with you and picking that apart through EMDR we really came down to some deep seated abandonment issues. And, and I, I mean, I can tell you like what they are. I'm not, I'm not naive to the fact of what my childhood was like, but I had no idea that they had gone so deep that the root had taken hold and gone so deep that, that it was what happened at, you know, four years and to 12, like was now directly affecting my marriage today that that really blew my mind because I, I in the moment I would feel anxiety and panic and and just so much anger and I did not understand where that anger was coming from or any of it so um 
yeah, so that's, that's an example. So from, from my chair as the, as the patient or the <laughs> client, that's what was, ha- that's, that was my story. And then like you, if you don't mind just explaining a little bit to like, how did you help me work through that? Well, the truth is I'm, uh, the therapist is following the client. I'm not uh, leading you. I'm following you in the therapy. So it unravels as it needs to unravel um, or as your psyche needs it to unravel. So, you know, we start with at one point, point A, and our goal is to get to point B where we are, um, you know, okay with that. No, no more anger or no more upset, no more fear. Um, and, And everything that happens in between there is where we're doing this finger thing. You're following my fingers back and forth. It's being released. And there's, there's memories. So for you, it did. It tracked back into some childhood events that were likely around abandonment. It's been a while now. So, but, um, but it sounds like abandonment, like you were left. Uh, actually, it is coming to mind to me now. But anyway, um, being left and, uh, and, and the feeling of abandonment. And so the idea is that the, the, the eye movement process is what is healing that, is what is releasing that, that emotion. So there's fear likely wrapped in there. There's probably anger, as you said, wrapped up in there and, uh, and sadness and hurt because why would the person who loves me most in the world do something like this to me? Uh, but it gets, uh, it gets unraveled the threads by going through memory lane. Cause that's what happened in that case. And quite honestly, frequently does, especially things related to um, family members that are, you know, frankly, th- th- that's just um, y- your marriage really is not different than anyone else's in that. Yeah. <laughs> living with another human being, we all have our our different way of being in the world and nobody is deliberately trying to push our buttons. But if it's going to happen, it's likely to happen with a spouse or a child in the family, you know, so cleaning out all of that can be very helpful going forward. So you don't continue to experience that anger and that fear and that feeling of sadness and, and your partner in turn doesn't have to be a part of that trauma. Either. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pull it back down underwater in the deep end every time. So it, so it, a couple things that came out of it for me was it really made me have to face not just the memories that I had of the times where I, I was physically left by people who should not have left me <laughs> that were supposed to be caring for me. Um, but it also brought up feelings of, insecurity in the family of insignificance in the family of, um, you know, my valued, would I be missed? Am I important? Am I seen all of those things that were questions I asked on a daily basis as a kid in my head, even if I wasn't like really saying them, that's, that's kind of the feelings I had every day. And so that completely bled over into this silly grocery store run with my husband of, am I valued? Does he love me? Is he going to forget me? Is he going to, does he remember I'm in here? Am I alone? And it's crazy to the rational mind, but to 
un- unfinished work inside, those are real feelings. That's a reality that's happening in addition to the real reality. And so not only was I able to kind of face those demons of my childhood with things like forgiveness and that kind of thing. But one thing I really like that you and I took on was, and this was your prompting and it's been a while. So um, it, I had to really dig deep to go, what is a good EMDR to share? Because when they're finished, they're finished and I just move on. And so I had to really stop and go, what, what is one that I could share? Because I, I have had so much incredible closure and just moving on with life. But the other thing that, that, that was to your prompting was, um, feeling like, could I take care of myself? And, and wow, that was a really big deal. Um, as a kid, no, I didn't feel like I could, nor should, ha- should I have had to. So feeling like I got to watch my own back, you know, do I have my own six? Is, is there anybody looking out for me? Um, those are real feelings. And so when I decided to walk home that day from the grocery store, I just kind of hit a tipping point where I was like, I can't handle this anymore. So working with you was like, Oh yeah, I got this. I can get myself to and from the store just fine. And and, and in reality, of course I can. I'm a normal functioning adult, but this little kid in me that had so much undone work, um, it was, she was just completely covered in anxiety and panic and was just a hot mess. And so, you know, yeah, you, yeah, you bring up a really important aspect of the EMDR that we hadn't mentioned. And, uh, and one of the things that we do at the onset of the therapy on each particular issue is we ask, what are your belief systems about this particular trauma or this particular issue? Mm-hmm. And they're negative beliefs. So you had some negative beliefs that, I'm not loved, I'm not important enough, uh, I'm alone. And so one of the aspects of EMDR is to change those negative beliefs. So whether it's myself or any of the therapists doing this this type of therapy will give you, um, will go through that, those negative beliefs and reverse them and come up with a new set of beliefs and then give you that list and ask you to repeat those to yourselves every day or, you know, frequently until it becomes your natural state. So, for example, for you, it would have been, I am loved, I am cherished, I am taken care of, I'm looked after, I am safe, and so on. So the opposite of the feeling of being abandoned, you are now reversing that belief system. Our belief systems are extremely powerful. Um, A lot of our belief systems, the longer we live on this planet, (laughs) the deeper Mm -hmm. our beliefs, I think, become. And that's not to our benefit. Um, I think that's why children are so precious is they they haven't acquired all those negative beliefs yet. (laughs) Ignorance is bliss. (laughs) Exactly. And so now as adults, we need to revert back to that child, those childhood beliefs that truth is this world is a safe world. We are safe. And the more that our belief systems are set into motion that way, the more likely that will be true for us. So and you know what's funny? The ending of of this grocery store story is um, after working through the EMDR several sessions um, and abandonment and not feeling safe and all that was really really big. 
for me was I was able to then go to my husband and say, Hey, I need to talk to you. And I now understand why I pitch such a fit <laughs> when you drive off in the parking lot. And I was able to just really explain to him and say, you know, these, it triggers feelings of insecurity that, you know, that you're going to forget me and, and that kind of thing. And, and I'm sorry that, that this is, part of my past but it is and so what can we do and he's like yes what what can I do and I said I just need to know where you are where you're parked and so now it's kind of not it's funny not like haha but it's just, it's funny now that he'll take a picture <laughs> and send it to me in the store of the car in the parking spot so I can see it and and although it's kind of like overkill and that's kind of what's the funny part is that he cares so deeply that for me and about me that he doesn't want me to feel so upset when I'm in there grabbing something um, that he's willing to go out of his way to make sure that I never, or he'll say, or he'll pull into um, like the veterans parking spot. He's a veteran and he'll be like, I'm right here and I'm not moving. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So so now like we're completely on the same page and, and man, I, I just really, um, I really wasn't handling it well with him before. And, and now that we both understand um, we can work together and, and it has not been a problem one single time since then. And he just told someone the other day in front of me, we were having a pretty deep conversation about life and relationships. And, and he said, you know, one thing that I've had to learn to do is to completely accept Christie's past that, that it's, it's, it's part of her, and, you know, whether she likes it or not, whether I like it or not, it is what it is. And I have to fully embrace that about her and work with it. And I just thought, I love you. <laughs> you, know, thank you. But we weren't, he wasn't able to have those words and, and we weren't able to communicate like that until I've had so much healing from the EMDR. Like it's, it's really, it's changed everything. Um, it's so it's not just me who's benefiting. It's the people around me because I'm interacting with them in a completely different way. Uh, would you say that's true for most people? I would say that that's true for most people. Um, I have had clients that it hasn't worked on, um, but it's rare, maybe 95, 96% of the time it works maybe more than that. It's most people it works and it works really well. Also, I I did want to say too, that anyone who's, who's interested in EMDR, uh, you can go to the website emdr.com and you can put in your zip code and you can find a therapist in your area. And keep in mind that um, it really does seem to work just as well virtually as in person. So um, I wouldn't let you that hold you back. That's a really good point. And on that note, what should someone ask or look for in an EMDR therapist for themselves? I really don't think that when you have that initial contact with someone that you can really glean from a, a quick phone call uh Uh, much about the therapist. I really do believe that you just need to set an appointment with a therapist. By the end of that first uh, session, you should be able to know if this is someone that you feel like you can work with. 
yeah, it, it feels really comfortable. And yeah, definitely. And it's okay if it doesn't, right? It's, it's full oh, permission to yeah, move on. Quite honestly, most therapists have pretty thick skin. So uh, they're not, they're not going to mind if you end up moving on to someone else. There's always another person. So there's that's great. Yeah. What would you say to someone who, after listening, say, well, you know, I kind of heard about EMDR, I don't know what it is, but now they have a better understanding. What would you say to someone who's contemplating trying it, but still wonders if it's a little woo-woo? You know what I'm saying? Um, I, th- frankly, it is something that you have to experience. So I, I don't know that there's anything other than what we said here today to push it over the edge. I do. I have been counseling for 30 years, as I said, and, and I, and I have quite a large bucket that I draw from of different modalities. And I, EMDR comes to the top of that list because it does work much more quickly than anything else that I know of. So, so for that reason, I highly endorse it. Uh, It is not hypnosis. So there's nothing going on uh, that you aren't fully conscious of. So there's nothing to be afraid of. Is there Uh, a certain age group that uh, should or should not or, you know, participate? Oh, good question. Actually, there, I don't work with uh, children or adolescents, but there are therapists, many therapists who do work with uh, adolescents. And I think there are uh, even some therapists that work with children. But um, maybe from going again to emdr.com, you can probably find out if you if you have a child that, that needs it, you know, what Excellent. population that they work with. Yeah. yeah. So it, it is offered to like a broad spectrum of ages. All ages. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, how can people connect with you? I guess through you, <laughs> Christy, but, um, but also uh, my... Email address is probably the best thing and the easiest thing to remember because it's my name, Faith, and then there's a dot, and then my last name is Northington, uh, just the way it sounds, nor- Northington uh, at gmail.com. So if you want to reach out to me, you can email me and um, be happy right. to see And we will put definitely that information in the show notes that people will be able to pull up. And is there, um, is there any, anything else you'd like to add as far as EMDR goes? No, as soon as we hang up, I'll think of something, but (laughs) 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 yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me, Christy. I really had a wonderful time. Yes. Thank you so much for giving your time and talent to, um, to be able to help promote, explain, educate on EMDR. It's just been a life changer for me and I hope it will be for so many others. And we really appreciate your professional expertise and, and your friendship. I, I, you are a huge (laughs) blessing. I consider you part of our family. (laughs) Thank you. And yeah, I'll see you in our next session. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. We'll do. And um, good luck everyone. Thanks again for listening to Real Deep Stuff. Follow us to save your seat at the table for our next conversation.